0: I just made a pretty amazing discovery about the messed up origins of Brave. But before I tell you what it is, I want to start this episode off with an apology. Ironically, I sort of messed up the messed up origins of Brave episode from last month, and some of the people in the comments were pretty upset about it. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, let me explain. In the messed up origins of Brave part one, I mentioned the director, Mark Andrews, twice. Once in the intro, when I quote him directly, and another time, about two-thirds of the way in when I quote him directly. Now, unlike some other Pixar figureheads, Mark Andrews has not been canceled. So the issue wasn't my quoting him or giving him credit. It was that I did not give credit to Brenda Chapman, the original writer and director of Brave. In hindsight, I totally agree that I should have acknowledged her massive contributions to this film because it was her relationship with her daughter that served as the inspiration for Merida's relationship with her mother, Eleanor. That real life experience, complete with all of its beauty and chaos, is what gave this movie a soul and why 28-year-old men with no children find ourselves crying at the end of it.
1: Merida's relationship with her mother is inspired by my daughter Emma's relationship with me. (laughs) We just don't see eye-to-eye ever and we fight like cats and dogs. Merida has a lot of what my daughter Emma has, which is this fire for life. As time goes on, I realize this amazing thing about my daughter, and Eleanor sees that in Merida, that she's going to make this amazing queen one day.
0: It is not an exaggeration to say that without Brenda Chapman, Brave would not exist. And if the complicated bond that Eleanor and Merida share resonates with you, it is Brenda who deserves your gratitude. But there's more to it than that, because remember, I said that Brenda was the original writer and director. It turns out that because of creative differences that Brenda had with the bigwigs at Pixar, specifically John Lasseter, she was replaced with Mark Andrews about 18 months before the film's release. A decision that left her heartbroken given the very personal nature of the story and the fact that she'd been developing it for the past six years. On top of all that, Chapman was Pixar's first ever female director, so kicking her off movie that was specifically about a mother-daughter relationship and replacing her with a man rubbed some people the wrong way. Taking all of this into consideration, I agree it looks pretty bad that I said literally nothing about her in the messed up origins of Brave, and I truly am sorry to Brenda, but I also want it to be clear that this was an error of embarrassing incompetence and not maliciousness. Some might find it hard to believe, but I did not come across any of the behind the scenes drama in my research. It was all out there, just a single Google search away. I just didn't know to look for it. I was aware that Mark Andrews was promoted to director after the movie started its development, but it never occurred to me that meant Brenda was booted from the project because I watched a ton of behind the scenes features for the movie and she's prominently featured in all of them. From the research trip to Scotland, practicing archery, to explaining certain design choices for Merida, Eleanor, and a number of other characters. They also credit her as the writer and director. I only noticed her missing from the deleted scene segment and the commentary, and neither of those struck me as suspicious. I was sort of surprised to see that she wasn't there for the commentary, but I mistakenly assumed it was a simple scheduling conflict because that happens all the time in Hollywood. In reality, she probably wasn't invited because the commentary was recorded after the movie was finished and she was already cut from the team by then which really sucks because I'm sure she would have loved to share more of her perspective. The slight silver lining is that Brenda has publicly stated that her vision for the movie did make it through to the end though I will say without her vision, there isn't much of a movie left. Now, while researching for this episode, I did notice a small vocal minority of people online who think that if Brenda was never replaced, then Brave would not have been such a disappointment. Like that's the common theme between the two most upvoted comments calling out my mistake. And while those people are entitled to that opinion, I personally disagree that Brave was a letdown. Admittedly, I am a sucker for most things based in folklore and mythology, but the primary complaints seems to be that the story takes too hard of a left turn when Eleanor gets transformed into a bear, and then in the end, it feels like two stories smashed into one. There's definitely some truth to that, but it's important to note that the bear storyline was part of Brenda's idea from the beginning, and you can even hear her explain why the transformation was important in the -the behind-the-scenes interviews.
1: They have to learn to listen to each other, so when mom can't speak anymore, that's when Merida realizes she has to pay attention. And then when Merida is out there trying to save mom's life, that's when mom realizes she has to pay attention.
0: In other words, in order for Eleanor to actually listen to Merida, she had to be transplanted into a world where she lost all the control she had in the first act. She wasn't articulate, she wasn't graceful, and there was no way she was surviving out in the wild. I'm not saying there aren't other ways this could've been achieved, but whether you love or hate Mark Andrews's influence on this movie, the bare idea was Chapman's, and while we'll probably never know what direction she was going to take it in, there is no guarantee that her version would've felt less disjointed. Not trying to disrespect the woman in any way. Like I said, I loved Brave and I'm sure her version would have been equally great. But the reason I want to make that clear is because there seems to be this narrative among the people who are disappointed in Brave that Brenda's version would have made Mark's look like a Tommy Wiseau production. Oh, hi, Mark. But to each their own. I'm not gonna sit here and try to convince you one way or the other. I would much rather convince you to join me on the messed up origins field trip to Ireland.
1: Please let this be a normal field trip.
0: No way, Arnold. This is a messed up origins field trip anything but normal. In all seriousness, you guys, what we have here is an insane opportunity for our community to visit a country that is famous for its folklore and mythology. You, me, and a dozen others get to experience firsthand the environments that spawned Celtic heroes like Finn McCool and creatures like changelings, leprechauns, the Dullahan, Kelpies, and of course, the Queer Hanuk. We'll be seeing sights like the Rock of Keshul, crushing beers at the Guinness Storehouse, checking out the Rings of Kerry with its rural villages, pristine beaches and medieval ruins, tasting genuine Irish whiskey, and that's all just in the first four days. The trip is booked for June 5th, 2024 to June 12th, so eight days total, and those who wanna join me can follow the Trova trip link in the description and pinned comment to reserve your spots. Two extremely important caveats for you to remember though. One, the cost of the trip is $3,900 and that covers all of your hotel expenses, the local guides that'll be joining us through the whole experience, transfers between cities, and transfers to and from the airport. That's right, the most annoying parts of traveling are all figured out for you. You do not have to pay the full fee at once either. All you need is a 25% deposit and the rest can be on a payment plan. The other caveat is we have a limited number of spots available, only 16 I think, and we got a very strong wrong response from your survey, so those of you who know you want to see the Emerald Isle in this lifetime, don't hesitate. Book that sh- ASAP so you don't miss out. The first 10 people get a $100 discount too, so that's pretty rad. Remember, that link is in the description and pinned comment. I hope to see you there. But now let's move on to the original reason I wanted to make this episode, because believe it or not, that whole Brenda Chapman subplot was something I had no idea would be included until I sat down to write the script. I wrote that first line about messing up part one, then I thought I should probably review the comments on that episode to see if you all caught any other mistakes, and that's when I learned about the whole firing fiasco. The original discovery I made about Brave's origins is a lot more fun than that one. There happens to be an Italian fairy tale that has a surprising amount in common with the movie's plot. The story is called The She-Bear and can be found in the Pentamarone collection by Giambattista Basile. And while it's not mentioned anywhere in relation to the Brave movie, like not a single crew member cites it as a source of inspiration, the details they have in common are so specific, I have a hard time believing it's all a coincidence. I mean, crazier things have happened, like as of me writing this, Elon Musk has volunteered to get his ass kicked by Zuckerberg for some reason, but just listen to the story and then tell me what you think. The She-Bear is a classic fairy tale and that it starts off on a tragic and bizarre note. A king's wife is dying from a mysterious illness and she uses her second to last breath to make him promise that he'll never remarry unless his new wife is as beautiful as she is. Then, with her last breath, she threatens to haunt and hate him if he refuses. To his credit, the king doesn't argue. He says that should he ever find love again, may the gout take him and he become as gaunt as an asparagus. Do you think people really used to talk like that or were storytellers just getting creative with their dialogue? Well, the wife dies like two seconds later and pretty much immediately, the king starts to regret his promise. I've made a huge mistake. So he tells his crier to summon all the women in the land because if there is a woman out there who's hotter than his dead wife, he needs to find her ASAP and put a ring on her. Within a week, all kinds of women had showed up. Apparently, even hags and sea monsters threw their head in the ring because maybe the king had a kink he didn't know about yet. But as you can tell from the following quote, not a single one of them was doing it for him. One had a crooked brow, another a long nose, one a large mouth and another thick lips. This one was too tall and gaunt. That other was short and badly formed. This one was too much dressed. Another was too slightly robed. He disliked the Spanish woman because of the hue of her skin. The Neapolitan was not to his taste because of the way in which she walked. The German seemed to him too cold and frozen. The French woman too light of brain the Venetian, a spinning wheel full of flax. Whatever that means. The king was about to lose all hope when suddenly he had a brilliant idea. Wait, did I say brilliant? I meant creepy and disgusting. The king realizes that his daughter Preziosa, that's Preziosa, not Preziosa, is made from the same mold as her mother, so why go to the ends of the earth to find a beautiful face if he has one at home? This is where the similarities to Brave start to pile up. You see, when the king tells Preziosa about his brilliant plan to marry her, she's horrified at the idea and flat out refuses. Similar to Merida's reaction when she finds out she's to be married off to a son from one of the other clans. Fun fact, in an earlier version of Brave's story, Merida was gonna be married to one of the kings before the writers realized that was too creepy and gave them sons. So originally, her story resembled Preziosa's even more. Preziosa's father is not one to take rejection lightly, so he threatens his daughter, saying that if she refuses, there'll be nothing left of her but her ears. I'll let you use your imagination with what he'd do to the rest. After this heated argument, Preziosa breaks out in tears, runs to her room, and collapses on her bed. She feels like there's no hope for her situation, no way out, when she's approached by an old servant woman who claims to have a solution and wait till you get a load of this. The old woman gives Preziosa a magic piece of wood that will transform her into a bear for as long as she holds it in her mouth and that's somehow supposed to solve all of her problems. Now, I don't think I'm overreaching when I ask, does this remind anyone else of Merida arguing with her mother about being forced into a marriage, then running away and getting help from an old woman whose solution for everything is to make it a bear? Not to mention, that old woman has an affinity for wood, where the woman in the story gives our heroine a magic piece of wood. You see what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, the storyline of a princess not wanting an arranged marriage is pretty common in fairy tales, In fact, there's a whole category of stories similar to She-Bear where this happens. Donkey Skin is one of the most famous, but it's the inclusion of the wood and the bear that has me thinking the connection may be more than just a coincidence, because those are so specific. Oh, and one more coinkydink. Let's pretend I didn't say that. One more coincidence is that similar to how Merida is looking for a way to change her fate.
1: That'll change my fate. A
0: spell that would change his fate. It will change my fate. Fate be changed. The old woman in the story tells Preziosa that after she turns into a bear to run to the forest because it's written in the Book of Fate that she will meet her fortune there. Once again, obsession with destiny is kind of a trope, but I still feel like both stories put more emphasis on it than the average fairy tale. So around the same time Preziosa is having this conversation with the old lady, her father orders his servants to start preparing the food and ballroom for their wedding. Then, he invites all the lords and ladies in the land to witness his marriage. He parties with his guests for about six hours before finally going to Preziosa's room to retrieve her. Only, once he walks in, she puts the wood in her mouth, transforms into a bear, and he just about poos his pants before diving under the covers of her bed. I don't think I need to point out this is exactly the opposite reaction that Merida's dad had when confronting a bear. That guy was literally willing to fight one with his bare hands. Pun unavoidable.
1: Come on, I'll take you with
0: Preziosa sees her opportunity to escape and runs out of the castle to the nearby forest where she proceeds to sleep through the night in her bare form. Meanwhile, her father stays hidden under the covers all night, which is pretty hilarious when you consider that he had a ballroom full of guests waiting for him to return. And while we're waiting for the sun to rise on this story, I wanna shout out our good friends at Squarespace for sponsoring this episode. Similar to the Witch and Brave, Squarespace gives its users the power to change their fate only without turning into a bear. Instead, it provides the tools to build beautiful websites easily, efficiently, and affordably. From their nearly endless library of award-winning design templates to their intuitive interface that lets you drag and drop boxes as needed, Squarespace has all the answers for those looking to advertise and grow their businesses. Business owners can manage their inventory, creators can house exclusive content their audience pays to access, and all of these features are supported by Squarespace's wicked smart customer support team that's available 24 seven. So if you wanna join me and the thousands of mere mortals who made our dreams a reality, just go to squarespace.com slash Solo to start a completely free trial. And when your site is ready for launch, use code John Solo to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. The next morning, Preziosa is still in her bare form when she approaches a prince who just so happens to be walking through the woods. And while he's terrified at first, because she's a bear, she acts very friendly toward him to get on his good side. She nuzzles him, lets him caress her with his hand, and he decides he's going to let this strangely tame bear live in his royal garden much to his family's hesitation. They start to get over their worries pretty quickly though, because one day when the prince tells his pet bear to cook for him, feed him, and serve him, she actually does. The prince and his mother watch as this incredible creature plucks, cooks, and carves a chicken with the dexterity of a human. And amazingly, he actually likes the taste of it. An impressive feat because up to this point, the prince had never liked any food not even sugar. After his meal, the prince steps out to go to a doctor. We aren't told why, but it's really none of our business. What's important is that while he's gone, the she-bear cleans up his bedroom, then scatters flower petals all over his bed. You see where this is going? Probably not. When the prince returns to see the she-bear fulfilled all of her duties, he became enamored with her and he straight up told his mom that if he can't kiss the bear on the mouth right now, he'll die. Upon hearing this, the queen urges the bear to kiss her son and kiss him good. So she does. That first kiss leads to a passionate embrace and then a full-on makeout session. Things between the bear and the prince are getting real heated when suddenly the piece of wood falls out of the bear's mouth and her true form is revealed. The prince opened his eyes to see that his makeout buddy was no longer a bear, but a woman so beautiful that she had to be a princess. Preziosa turned a little red with embarrassment and, with her secret revealed, surrendered herself to the prince. She admitted that she had deceived him and that he had every right to punish her, but instead he just pulled her closer. Queen Mom was both amazed and bewildered by what she just witnessed, and so she asked Preziosa who she was and how she got there. That's when Preziosa revealed the full truth. Almost. She explained that she had initially turned into a bear to escape her pervy father, but not why she remained in disguise when she met the prince. Or kissed him. Regardless, the queen praised the princess's character, said that her son would be lucky to marry a woman as fine as her, and the prince agreed wholeheartedly. By the end of the following day, Princess Preziosa became Queen Preziosa. The whole kingdom came together to celebrate her marriage to the prince, and she spent the rest of her life with a husband who adored her, never having to worry about her creepy-ass father ever again. So as you can see, the second half of that story went down a very different and much weirder path than Brave did, but the general conflict and the setup for it were oddly similar. Personally, I'm relieved there weren't any Pixar animators who had to work their way through a Bear Prince makeout session frame by frame. I think that borders on an OSHA violation but I would love to hear your thoughts on this story, whether it's related to Brave or not. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to sacrifice those five star and follow buttons and follow the podcast to learn more about the messed up origins of your favorite myths and fairy tales. New episodes are delivered to all podcast platforms every Friday morning, but if that's not enough for you, find me on YouTube or social media where I post new short form content four days a week Plus, these deep dives. Thank you all for stopping by, mere mortals. I'll speak with you again next week with the messed up origins of Mom Jeans. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first. <music>